Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. It's a uh, Coffee and Comic Book Movies morning. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. So we're trying a little experiment this morning, huh? <laughs> we're live. We're on video now because we. I was like, why? People should not only hear our voices, but also see us to understand <laughs> what we go through. Right. I, well, not- Go ahead. Right, and not only live, but on video, both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we were trying. To, we're we're doing more to uh to uh, boost our YouTube channel, and uh, so so it's twofold. It's it's trying to do more. We're actually going to load up all of our past episodes onto YouTube, um, but we also wanted to do. It, it was silly because I think I think more people want to watch us or at least have an access to a YouTube link. So like we're sitting here. Why not just hit record and see how it goes? And slowly we'll make this all behind us. This will all be better. Ah. Um, people hate SoundCloud. That's what, that's what they kind of, you know, I mean, maybe I, or, you know, like Nobody at least people, people who listen to us don't like SoundCloud anymore or never did. So I don't know. This is good. And I, I like being able to see you. I think it adds to the dynamic a little more, you know, we've got our little studio set up. So why not, why not, why not do it on, on camera? Yeah. So, uh, we've been doing this for a few weeks with coffee and comics. Um, what are you drinking this morning? Well, Todd, this morning, <laughs> Actually, I've actually brought my own Bruin uh, after after a couple of weeks of of sampling other people's wares. I have an espr- little espresso machine at home, so I took. Um, it's from my Black Hills Roaster. I forget the actual name, but it has has the word snake in it, and it. Uh, I did just a, a single a single shot because Jesus God, it is it is strong. So I made my own little my own little uh, shot, and then I put some some whole milk in it, and. Uh, that's that's all I've got. Nothing too fancy, but it's it's sure working. I mean, that you? That, that qualifies as a latte, right? It does, or an americano, I guess, because mm-hmm. I just kind of haphazardly threw the milk, and I didn't steam it or anything. I could have. Oh, okay, good call. I yeah, want to get um, out the door. I, I went uh, went fancy and went to Phil's this morning. Um, as you know, I'm I'm generally pretty pedestrian in my uh, coffee tastes, but. Uh, I did the classic mint mojito at Phil's. Um, <laughs> mint mojito, really? Yeah, oof, that's so a spring drink, Phil's. What are you doing? On it a, is, and on it's iced. Uh, oh, oh, it's you know, it's it's I don't know. It was probably in the in the fifties. Uh, no, I'm I'm sitting <laughs> at sixty four right now. That's uh, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you though, beautiful drive up Pacific <laughs> Coast Highway to get this. So hey. clear, you could see Catalina. It's uh, it was it was lovely. Um, it was a good thing to do on a Sunday morning yeah. before I record a show about Thor Ragnarok, which we have not even mentioned yet. Yeah, um, that's what we're doing. We're doing a show. This will be a, a special edition of Coffee and Comics. We don't have any books today. We wanted to take a moment and talk about Thor Ragnarok because it's the first of the big holiday holiday movies, essentially. I mean, the ho- this is the holiday season. We just, we've just passed into the darkness of daylight savings time going away. I know. So. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, but where where do we start with this? I, I think let's start with the theater, of course. Like, how did you see this? 2D? 3D? Uh, I saw regular regular 2D um, at my regular usual. Yeah. When I usually have one or two theaters I go to, either Alamo Draft House, as we've talked about before, or there's this new theater down the road from my studio that has, it looks kind of like a Chinese theater. It's got like that, the the facade in front, but it's, an a, it's just a regular AMC, but every single seat reclines back to where you're basically lying on your back like watching this movie so i love going there for just like the casual hang if i wasn't really in, in you know, interested in food or anything um 
I'm sure Alamo had a really awesome pre pre roll like they usually do. But no, I went there, leaned way back, was sitting pretty close in front, so I was able to take it in. It feels it feels like an IMAX movie when you're just like, you know, you're basically just seeing it like above you. So uh, did that. Didn't really want to. I want to wear my glasses, so I didn't really want to do a, a 3D or an IMAX. How about you? Um, I did IMAX 3D. I uh, I was just Ooh. sort of looking for a, the right way to see it. That was not actually the way I wanted to see it. Um, uh, but, uh, I, I, I don't know. I just had, I just, I, you know, me, I generally, my, um, you know, my outlook on movies is see it as big and fancy as possible. So mm-hmm. normally IMAX 3d would be exactly what I want, but for some reason I just thought, I think I want to see this in 2d. I don't, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, you know, if, at least if I was seeing IMAX, I, I kind of wanted to see the IMAX 2d version. Is there such um, a thing as IMAX 2d? Yes, there is. In, in, in fact, the in the same room? theater, where I saw this and they, but they were alternating and it was just like, ah, if I want to see it before the huge crowd on Friday night, I got to do the 3d one. Um, mm-hmm. cause the 2d was the seven o'clock, you know? Okay. So, um, and, and then actually the theater, uh, around the corner from me is doing one of those Dolby Atmos showings in 2d. What is that? That's the, uh, the, isn't that what you told me about Blade Runner though? With the super like sound system, the Dolby system yeah. in the theater. I think, I mean, um, I didn't see the word Atmos. Maybe that's just like the only, Oh, okay. That's, how, that's it how it's like. listed on Fandango. So you get to um, smell it too. Like it's, it's like, all around you. And like, there's like a little you know, perfume or perfume garbage planet that they're on. Oh Jesus. Um, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that. I think the next time I see it will be the Dolby Atmos showing. Um, mm. That's my goal. Um, but I would, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just I was a little ambivalent about 3d and usually mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty into it. Uh, so I guess, you know, as that comes up, as we talk about it, uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I can clarify what was wrong with 3d, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, that will probably come up a lot. Cause that I, I, I actually thought for a hot second, maybe because of all the sort of CG I was watching in the, in the trailers, maybe I should see it in 3d, but anymore, I feel like if it can't work as a 2d movie, like unless unless it's like Avatar or Tron Legacy, where you're like, oh no no, this we basically built this from scratch to be a 3D experience, or Coraline to some extent. Um, like I feel like unless it's that, it, it should work as 2D, and then if it really works, then go and see it. You know, see it additionally if 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 you need to. But I saw I was I was pretty pure, pretty 2D, and I I don't know. Do we want to jump right into our initial thoughts, or do you want to give yours in full first? I I have. I have mixed thoughts, so I don't know. Yeah, and um, we should, uh, should we do this? We didn't discuss this first. Should we do it like spoiler free and then, I don't even know how not to spoil it. Exactly, I I don't think we can do this this without spoiling. It's not like there's like twists and turns that we're gonna spoil. It's just everything. And we just got to talk about the whole movie in full. So if you. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. We'll probably, and let's go in chronological order. So then at least as we get closer to the end, because I think the the most spoilerific stuff is at the end. Um, And it, and it, it, for me, it's more how it ties into the rest of the MCU and especially infinity war. Um, Oh, that'll be good because um, I missed any post-credit sequences. (laughs) Oh, really? You stay, you just stick around. Todd, that's uh, that's Marvel rule number one. You stay was, till the very end, and then and then even like after the final one, you wait until that the clock comes up that shows the, how long they have to reset the theater before yeah, the next yeah. crowd comes in. You once that starts, then you can leave, but not Dude, until then. I sorry for the uh, too much information spot here, man. I, I peed for like a solid three <laughs> minutes after I I like ran during oh, the credits. I was trying. I yeah, ugh, I was. 
was almost there, man. Mm -hmm. I, I almost made it. But um, anyway. Uh, oh, good. I can yeah, give you that I, whole spiel then. Yeah, yeah. So actually, maybe. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Anyway, um, uh, where do we start? I mean, <laughs> I Let love me... that it started. I, I want to start at the very beginning because it was yeah. something I noted about yeah. the trailer, which was. Um, I, I, and it was someone else's comment that I thought was funny about how, wow, this Thor trailer, you know, months ago, literally started with, so you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> and then to have the actual movie open up that way, I I just thought was really funny, you know, to it have was, him. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing out of the box, though. I feel like, and this isn't necessarily a critique at, on this movie specifically, although this movie... I could definitely feel it more so than others, but I feel like we've entered into this dangerous territory where they have gotten too freewheeling with the trailers, especially um, showing it's, it's twofold. It's, it started happening in Spider-Man homecoming where like they would show shots and they movies have done this here and there, but like there's this intentional thing now where they shoot scenes or do CG backplates for the trailer that never appear in the movie, or they show you too much God, too many of the, the main things from the movie. So like, like too many of the main jokes or too many of the main, like just really cool sequences. So then you see in the trailer, I have seen so many, and yeah, those Thor Ragnarok trailers, especially the, the SDCC one, the one that came out during Comic-Con was amazing. But I almost feel like if we hadn't seen that, some of these, some of the movie would have felt a little fresher and a little bit more. But otherwise, it was just almost like, I almost wish I had a scorecard to be like, oh, there's the trailer scene. There's the trailer scene. Like it just, and I feel like Justice League is going to have the same problem where they're just like giving oh. us way too much. And it's like, I, I'm going to know the whole movie before I even go. Like I, We should have backed I up. I should have taken us to the trailers that we saw. Yeah, because I saw I I think a, most of the I think the Justice League trailer I saw was mostly um, a trailer I'd seen before, but I swear there were like a couple things different. Yeah, yeah. and it actually reduced my excitement for that movie. Hmm. Like every other trailer, and and I think part of it is kind of what you're describing. I think from the the to me the Ragnarok trailers were successful in that it totally raised my excitement for the movie. Yeah, of course. The Justice League I think is totally running into that problem you're talking about where now I'm kind of able to piece stuff together. And I just think like, I don't, uh, you're, you're, you're doing the opposite. You know, yeah. the last Jedi trailer on the other hand, I thought was great. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, um, you know, I was very excited for that. The new mutants trailer. Uh, I'm pretty interested in, um, I didn't get that one. The Pacific rim trailer. Whew, man, that was pretty cool. Uh, it, it, um, yeah, I hadn't seen anything on the Pacific rim. Uprising oh really? Whatever. That was the first so, one you never seen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I just hadn't really paid attention. I just didn't want to. So this one was the first one I uh, really caught. And, I, yeah, was, I didn't get a new cool mutants one. I did get the Black Panther one again. Um, and oh, also, it's just yeah, the same that thing. One it kinda, still looks yeah. like. Yeah. We'll see. Well, here, it, let me. Let me. <laughs> I almost feel like we need to. We I need to disclaimer quite a bit here because like. There's the fact that trailers now have gotten way too freewheelie. And I don't know, it, it, it almost feels like studios are going, well, they're showing a little bit more than normal. I, I think in the case of Ragnarok, all the music from the trailers were, was in the movie. So it's like, even that, like that happened with uh, um, Suicide Squad too, oh. where it's like, it's, it's like, sh yeah, it, the music, I almost feel like the trailer should be a singular experience. And I shouldn't hear like, don't use your same songs. Don't use your same kind of, you know, your flow and your moments. Don't give me basically the movie in, in two minutes form in the trailer so there was things in Thor Ragnarok that would have felt a lot better and more fresh if I'm like if I didn't know like that ah like that whatever that song is I think it's like a Led Zeppelin it's called song. the immigrant song 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that hadn't been in the tra- like if in the trailer, they would have felt so much more in, like amazing in the movie. But it's like, oh well, there's that song. It is. It was. There's too much of that going on. And I also feel like, and this is this is this is probably a bigger discussion to have separately. But like, I feel like I, I noticed this last year with Doctor Strange, where I was like, hmm, I wonder if the Marvel formula has either gotten too formulaic or we're too used to it. And it just, it almost feels like some of these, since Doctor Strange, I'll even throw Spider-Man Homecoming in it too, where I'm just like, man, I, it, maybe it's just being around these characters or just this genre for so long, but I'm like, I kind of want a little something different. And I just kind of feel like we're in this mode now where they're just like, it, it's like a little paint by numbers. It's like, we got this villain and this thing, and this is going to happen. And they're done. Like, it's the well, same thing, you know? And I, you know, I would say sort of in their defense, but also that, backs you up is that there seems to be every few years kind of a new tone for the movies and so you know the first two iron mans and then captain america and then sort of the first avengers all kind of fit a tone and then Mm -hmm. ant-man and guardians and maybe spider-man and thor kind of fit a tone you know it's sort of like they're in their silly tone now and Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, but, but I agree. I'll, like it's kind of a, a thing we've seen. I don't know. I don't. I still. I think Ragnarok stands on its own. <laughs> you know, it, d- it does those, but, just because but, of the the attitude about the characters. But I feel like I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy one, and it was a very different tone that we'd seen before. But there was something about it that felt really fra- like I didn't get that from Guardians two. Like Guardians two was fun. I know you loved it especially, but like there's something about that first one where like, Oh wow, this is where we are now. And I feel like they just kind of, once they lock in on that, they just run it until somebody else has a better idea. And now maybe black Panther is that better idea that we'll see in February. I worry though, that black Panther is going to be a lot of the same beats, the same kind of shots. It just, uh, it, just well, it almost feels less like we're seeing independent movies and more like episodes of a TV show writ large on the screen, you know? And it's just like, I'd, ra- I'd rather watch this TV show than uh, the defenders. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Um, talk about, I, I think, I think black Panther is going to be a return to sort of a serious tone of movie. Whereas mm-hmm. like, I feel kind of like Ragnarok was a great culmination of here's a ridiculous superhero movie, you know, mm-hmm. in the theme of guardians and, to some extent spider-man homecoming and ant-man so i'm ready for that black panther to be like this is a serious action movie you know Mm -hmm. um, with a a very different setting at least in wakanda so let me ask you this just to tee this up a little bit more because i'll I'll just let me let me just i'll I'll come out with this just my kind of top line sort of thought because i think that will permeate everything else i say I felt like Thor Ragnarok, I guess, as, as excited as was as I was to go and see it, I felt like it was ultimately for me a good first draft. Like there was a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But between like the script and especially like the 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 CG, I'm just like, man, this needed another month or two. Like I just felt like there was so much about it, and maybe that was intentional. Maybe it was like, I don't know, we're gonna go for sort of a a more '90s, like you know, sort of less, you know, like. like kind of looser more indie vibe we're just kind of but at the same time that betrays some of the marvel like oh no no we've spent this much money to show you this i i don't know i just it it had that feeling to me and then the other side of it that was really hard for me to kind of wrap my head around was ragnarok was supposed to be this like apocalyptic like serious like the the most serious thing that could ever happen to thor or that part of the mcu and they made the intentional choice to really make it as lighthearted as possible 
So I really had a hard time squaring like this eminent doom, this terrible thing with, ah, whatever, it's okay. Like, what, what, tell me about your day, huh? And it's like, and that, there's nothing wrong with that approach, but I feel like maybe, I don't know, I just it, putting those two things together, and especially when we start in the beginning, you know, he meets like the actual character who was gonna cause Ragnarok, and it was just like, they really treated it really flippantly. So then I was like, well, clearly that's not the guy who's going to you know, destroy Asgard. And this is just some throwaway scene. And it turned, you know, at some point that guy comes back around again. So I was just like, I, there's a lot of that going on. And I just, I felt like I don't, if you focus only on that choice, should they have made this the one movie that should they have bright talk? Should they have brought Taika Waititi in for this movie when it was such a, it's a, it should have been a, you should have felt a lot more agency. You should have felt a lot more like, oh my God, these people are gonna are, are all gonna die. Like that's kind of a weighty thing in my mind. There was definitely like a, a weird sense of stakes in this for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, that was one of the good things about the the all the trailers and sort of their over delivery of information was that I, mm-hmm. I kind of got where we were, what the tone was gonna be. And then I was comfortable going in, like it wasn't a shock. But yeah, no, someone no. really had to save Thor and Hulk from themselves. You know, yeah, they were, yeah. uh, the Thor movies just didn't do a great job of like rounding out that character. And in the Avengers movies, they had a tendency sometimes to just look like puppets of the other Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, although in Ultron, like I really like the Bruce Banner, Tony Stark. Whoops conversations it just didn't mm. it didn't seem to like end up anywhere you know mm. it was uh, anyway um but uh I, you know i think watiti definitely saved those characters from becoming too serious and bec- or becoming just the props of the marvel universe like the strongest mm. avengers or whatever mm. but um i there but you're right about the stakes because it especially when you think about how the ultron movie has informed so many other movies like civil war and and um i mean they even bring it up in this one like uh and i and i guess you could say to some extent like uh, homecoming um but it's uh the events in what is that place called I, the sokovia oh yeah it, it, no. but was it sokovia was that the uh city that they dropped from the sky i don't know anyway mm-hmm. um that was uh those are really, really scary stakes, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, this one seemed to have the same sort of stakes, like Asgard is going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I didn't feel that danger of like, I don't know. I, I got a lot of questions about Asgard, actually. Mm. I, <laughs> having mm. read, a, you know, I, I, I'm no uh, uh, Neil Gaiman by any, by any means, but I've, I've at least read the Norse myths. So mm-hmm. I think the average American, you know, has read the Greek myths or something and maybe doesn't know anything about the Norse myths. Uh, I didn't know there were <laughs> uh, peasant folk living in Asgard. <laughs> I don't know how else yeah, to say The com- common people. Yeah. I yeah. thought uh, Asgard was only the home of, uh, you know, the gods and goddesses. Um, so I, there was this moment where it was like, I, I I don't know the whole the couldn't they have made a movie and not called it Ragnarok? Yeah, well that's <laughs> and it's just exactly it. the same yeah. movie. 
Yeah, well, that's, that, I think that's I and it, and maybe it's heightened for me because after seeing Wonder Woman, you know, where they're like, oh, no, no, the, we're going to the mythology is we're going to embrace it. It's not going to be like, oh, these are like right. ancient people who confuse science and magic. It's like, no, no, no. these are the, the Greek gods created these people, you know, these women, these Amazons to help save mankind. So there was they were it, Wonder Woman took the mythology very seriously and then they built in all the lighthearted stuff around that right so it was like there was all those wonderful moments of just of, especially when you throw chris pine in it's like oh my god he's he can't he is just a walking charm factory so like you're gonna have all of that going and i wish maybe that's what i expected from this where it's like oh there's gonna be the taika watiti you know edge and moments and, and sort of indie fun and comedy but like maybe the mythology is gonna be much more grounded and i especially thought that when you saw that amazing looking sequence of the flight of the Valkyries coming in, you know, on their horses oh, yeah, yeah. and hell is like, you know, the slow motion, like, you know, stuff going on. Like I saw that I'm like, Oh shoot, they're going to, I actually thought the movie would start with that as like a flashback as this like amazing, like here's how Hela was imprisoned or how she, you know, something more along those lines. And to see that almost as like a throwaway scene where Loki's like, what happened to you? Oh, interesting. Like I just, I didn't, it, that's where it really started to go off the rails for me in, in terms of like, where, where, what are they doing? What is the whole, like, it, are they going to treat this seriously or not? And then you get, when you actually get Hela and she doesn't really have anything to do other than like, you know, just kind of, she wants to rule. And that's basically it. I just, a lot of that felt like they took this amazing, like this should be the, you know, this should be the the most pivotal moment of the galaxy, you know, the, the Marvel galaxy. And they're just kind of like, yeah, man, it's cool. Well, yeah. It's, I, yeah um i can't it's i it didn't necessarily diminish my enjoyment of it but isn't this like the problem that every thor movie has had because the yeah. first one it seemed really goofy that these as guardians could just sort of teleport to earth yeah like we'd never you know not, they've never interacted with anyone and now they're mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. um and there's this asgard that we're supposed to care about and then in the second one they went way hard mm -hmm. into like myth and mm -hmm. elves and dark elves and Malekith and all that kind of, and you're like, this is, you know, I, I way too far in the other direction. Mm -hmm. um, at least I actually, I enjoyed it, but it was not that right balance of like a superhero movie. It was just watching, you know, like a Lord of the Rings kind of movie mm -hmm. set in mm -hmm. present day uh, mm -hmm. America. And then, uh, you know, to, to a great extent, like I like it when they just make comic book movies absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're right. It did, you know, but for Kate Blanchett's like amazing <laughs> performance, mm -hmm. I don't know that Hella had like the, all the motivation we're seeing from Hella is due to uh, her performance, not, not due to like yeah. some great storytelling or something. I did. Exactly. I, I loved her flashback. I mean, I think, I think that that telling of like how Odin has changed all this history was great. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely in the, uh, especially in like a recent run of, of Thor in the comics, like Odin is a giant asshole. He is mm -hmm. in the, in the Norse myths all the time. Like Odin is our, you know, he's not a, a Zeus or a, you know, Jesus or like a benevolent God. Like Odin is a fallible, you know, vainglorious jerk. Um, yeah, yeah. and then there was a weird sort of, uh, treatment of him as like, a frail old man or something, you know, it's all like when, when we meet spoiler, when we meet, uh, Odin before we realize it's Loki disguised as Odin, mm -hmm. uh, actually that, that turn really worked for me. That sort of reveal mm -hmm. because yeah, I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's Odin. That's how Odin oh, acts in the really? comics. All oh, the time. See, as, 
as soon as they showed him, I'm like, well, clearly, because we know Luke Loki was posing as him after um, Thor two, after the the Dark World movie. So it's like we knew that. that. Yeah, yeah, because like it ends with him like sitting on the throne and like after after you know he and Thor, Odin, quote unquote, and Thor have this like moment. Thor says, "No, no, I still don't want the throne." He goes away and then like he shimmers and like it's Loki's face. Oh, so they always like wipe that movie out of my brain. I see now. I love. I actually am not loved, but I really liked Thor: The Dark World. Like I, I mean, so I, many- did, I did too. I just it was sort of like a popcorn movie. Like it didn't it didn't really sit in canon. But like or, there was me. even like even like that was a mo- movie that had it's a, a lot of moments of levity like when they're like all like at the in the final third act which is like you know a cataclysmic thing in london they're bot you know they're disappearing and reappearing everywhere like there's that scene where he you know appears in the tube and he's just like god damn it and he has to like get up run back into the battle like a lot there's a lot of moments like mm. that yeah there's i agree there was a lot of, of the dark world that was just kind of overbearing and tedious um but it still had like it just it had that I think for me Thor has to be grounded much like Wonder Woman it has to be grounded in some serious mythology and then you layer the the funny on yeah. top of it I think the Dark World was I think what you know they made the decision they're like well let's not worry about that mythology stuff let's just have all these like fun moments <laughs> and I'm like then that's fine like I like those moments you mean they, Ragnarok Ragnarok yeah yeah there yeah. needs to be there needed to be something more and I'll just let's just let's just call spoilers now because I think we have to talk about this this aspect of it um, for, for anything else to make, make much sense and spoilers about everything. I came into this movie. We, we know there's this one and there's black Panther and then there's infinity war. And up until this point, they've done a fairly good job, especially earlier on. They've done a great job about introducing the Thanos threat more, more like at the end. Um, it's with the exception of guardians of the galaxy one where he is, you know, he's, he's, shows up mid movie but they've done a great job of threading that through at the end so that you're like while all this other stuff's going on this this sort of slow moving ship is getting closer and closer and closer and we only see it through the back end and it seems like in the last couple um ending sequences like we haven't really gotten anything so i thought okay ragnarok and black panther have got to be the natural stair step and probably ragnarok more than anything has got to really tee up the events of infinity war and it does not at all yeah. at any at any time and even in this in the post credits like there's one thing in the post credits that might sort of kind of be about that but n- at no time do you get any sense that like oh hella is going to be like and the entire time i'm thinking oh hella's going to be the basically the she's going to be the stand-in for death that thanos is going to try to do all this to impress you know like in the in the comics or in the you know in, in some of the animated series um death is either this whoops is either the statue that he's constantly trying to you know make come to life because he's in love with death or she, you know, she's an actual, you know, character who talks and walks and, you know, he's in love with death. And I'm thinking, well, if God, if Hela's the goddess of death and we haven't seen him like talking in any statue and like some post scenes, maybe somehow Ragnarok will lead into that. That will make, there'll be some kind of good connective tissue. And there just isn't at all. So I'm thinking, okay, if you're not gonna, if you're not going to connect this to infinity war in the slightest, um, then at least make it feel more like okay if if, if it's gonna be a standalone thor movie i, w- I really want to feel those stakes a lot more i, re- I want to feel like when if they're gonna destroy asgard if they're gonna you know if hell is gonna you just cause havoc i need to feel like oh this these care you know we've seen asgard a few times i need to feel the weight of that but just i just didn't i didn't care at all i didn't have any empathy or any stakes mentally in any way i just was like at the very end i was like okay like i just there's nothing about it that made me feel like oh that's too bad it just, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, maybe. Well, go ahead. I, no, I love this because this is a, um, uh, <laughs> this is such a geek conundrum. 
And I, you have actually said in, in past episodes where we've talked, you've said, I think hell is going to be the death stand in in Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't really, I, I never connected these two things, but um, I guess that you, did you go into this movie? I mean, you went into this movie really expecting like, we're going to get the middle sequence between guardians and infinity war. Right. I thought it would be a half Thor movie, half, uh, Infinity War setup that would be much more apparent at the end. Like I right, thought, whatever right, exactly. Hell was, doing was probably almost like a red herring. Like, oh, she's doing these things, but like, what it's really going to end up in is this massive connection point between, and maybe like even like down to the fact that we haven't seen the um, the Soul uh, Stone yet. I think that's the only one missing. Um, like we've seen the other Infinity Stones revealed. I think the Soul one, the big yellow, the big you know. What the big one right here is like the only the only one missing. I thought, well, maybe that's maybe Heimdall has that because he can see everything, or maybe Odin has that when he dies, like that's revealed or something, like something. And we didn't even get that. Like they're just nothing. It was disappointing. So I, I tried to suspend that as much as possible because I'm like, well, okay. But then it what we ended up with was in my mind just kind of a weak Thor movie. And I'm just like, in terms of the story, mm. and I'm just like, so if they're not gonna connect it, I could at least forgive a week, a weaker Thor movie if they're going almost Iron Man. Man 2 style if they're really trying to connect this together and I know a lot of people hate Iron Man 2 for that reason it was too connective I actually didn't mind it I actually thought that that was necessary to get us a sense of a bigger you know game evolving which is why I think when you get to Avengers you need Iron Man 2 to get to Avengers like you need that connective tissue to be brought up to be talked about you know fleshed out a little bit so that when you get to Avengers you're like oh we're ready for this so Avengers was a really satisfying movie because all these things kind of built up I don't we're not we're not getting there with Infinity War. So I feel like Infinity War is just going to happen and it's going to be more like a standalone movie. And we're going to be like, well, how did, why is all this, yeah. mad? why does all this matter? You know, this is so, yeah, this is so interesting to me. So I, I must've seen like an interview or not, not watched an interview, but read an interview with Taika Waititi where he said something about how, ah, what did he say? It was something about how this would not like Thor was not going to, be, I don't know. I just remember him saying it's a standalone movie. Like it's not, it's mm -hmm. not going to be part of the infinity war, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I went in think thinking it's not really connected to the other Marvel movies, except for sort of how they get here. Mm -hmm. And then what we saw in that bootleg infinity war teaser trailer from, uh, it wasn't, I don't think that was San Diego comic-con. I think that was, uh, the Disney, um, Oh yeah. The expo. Yeah, um, D2 where Thor, or like, it opens up with Thor like landing on the Guardians ship yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I, I guess I thought maybe this would end in a way where that's what the next thing that happens. But exactly. I, I went yeah. in thinking this isn't going to connect at all. And so I really enjoyed, maybe that's why the stakes, like why this all worked for me, even though, you know, despite the weird stakes. But uh, that was because I saw it at so many moments as like, this is a 1970s, 80s Thor story. Mm -hmm. And this is that it almost worked more for me than like, uh, say, Batman versus Superman, where there's world ending stakes uh, that are, you know, strangely solved, you know, like that, I, that's yeah. my big, obviously my big problem with all world ending stakes is like, it always just accelerates too quickly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But this one, at least the world was Asgard mm -hmm. and there wasn't sort of a fourth act at the end of like, what happens to all those Asgardians? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Just that perspective of how we both went into the movie really informed how we, um, how we thought of it during that. I'll go back to just the, just to like bring up a couple moments. There are a couple of cool shots that are just like horizontal side to side shots where, um, one of them like Thor is uh, flying, I guess. What's the other one? Um, but they were just such cool, like comic book panels, mm-hmm. you know. And um, oh, and then definitely the one where he's in the very Tron-looking chair as he's being led to the um, game master or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. Grandmaster. Um, Grandmaster, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, and it's just sort of like perfectly uh, horizontally scrolling, um, with these really cheesy Tron effects. I thought that was mm-hmm. great. Like that was perfect comic book, Jack Kirby looking chair, you know? Well, yeah. Then, but just even in terms of like the execution as like, it's as, as a scene, it really good. Like they, they're able to play the humor. And then the fact that like, you know, when they reveal that he's just been sitting there the whole time, just, yeah, yeah. you know, this is all sort of a hallucination. Um, you know, just that there was a lot of moments that were just awesome. And a lot of moments honestly reminded me of um, what we do in the shadows or, you know, his other Taika Waititi's other movie, where it's just like, this could have been, you know, a low budget, just YouTube sketch that just happens to be there. You know, it's in the movie, but it just was really kind of nice and, and felt just really at home with that. So it's almost like he was, in my mind, he was juggling wanting to do this kind of like smaller movie with this like big budget and expectations that it's gotta be this big thing. And it's like, I almost, I actually, the first thing I thought of as after I was driving home, I'm like, you know what? I feel like if, if I if I was Kevin Feige, I would have done one of two things. I either would have made this an anime and just had everybody just voice themselves because <laughs> I feel like there was so much, and the reason I say that, there was so much just bad CGI and just, just really bad green screen work that I thought, why not just make, if they wanted to go all out weird and just make this a totally different experience, keep the script exactly as is, keep everything the same, just have the, the same actors voice themselves, but intentionally make it a, an anime movie. So then you, it's all the same. It all feels, the continuity feels the same. Um, and then it would just be that one Marvel movie that's like, oh, wow, that one was an anime one. That's kind of fun. You know, either that or I feel like they should have, so much of this should have just been you know, like single one-off sketches on YouTube or something that, you know, in place of a movie, they could have just directed like 10 of these, like little sketches. And you would have had maybe like a comics tie-in to tie it all together or something just so that it it just, I, I wish if they would have made more of an intentional decision and not try to make it all, you know, fit in hmm. the spectacle of a, of a two-hour movie. I don't know. I just, there's so much, like maybe, maybe it was the fact that the green screen work and so many of the shots were just straight ahead. Like, like the, the camera was just like, put the camera right in front of the actor and just do that. Like there was so many of those moments combined with the green screen that maybe that threw me off. I just didn't feel like the world was real enough. You know, maybe if they had gotten further in or moved the camera a little bit more, it just, but there's so much of it as I was going back through in my mind, I'm just like so many, like put the camera here, at the set, like almost like it's a play, like it's a theater, you know, you're just pointing the camera at the stage, you know, and just letting it go. And I, don't, I just, I don't, that's a, not really appealing to me, but I think again, to build the reality or to build, you know, to feel the stakes, I got to feel like I'm in the world. And I just never had that um, hmm. as much. That, I, I wonder if, you, I also wonder if your um, <clears throat> perception of that would have changed if you had seen it in 3d, especially about like saying that Maybe. the CGI looked a little mm-hmm. uh, janky. And I wonder if mine would have changed as well. Cause I was previously, I was thinking like, oh, actually I think this would look really great if it were all flat, like, mm. even, you know, like artificially flat. I think that was one of the cool things about like that, that Thor, the, the chair scene where he's meeting the grandmaster is mm-hmm. um, 
it, it looked so much like a comic book, like there, there was no third dimension, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, there was also a, cause to some extent, I think you're, you're exactly right on a lot of that. There was a huge, uh, I think it must've been like a New York times profile on Taika Waititi and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just, I just Googled it and it's like where he, they were, you know, in the um, editing bays and stuff with him, sort of going through process. Like they got, you know, the writer got to visit him on set, and then later during post production and stuff. And there definitely was a sense of they just did a ton of pickup shots, and then went or, or not pickup shots in the sense that they were afterwards. They just had so much footage that there would be times where they're like, "Yeah, can you make it so that his hand is right here during that punch?" And they could just. They could just sort of move the the screen and animate the CGI the right way that he wanted it. So there definitely was a, uh, that's problematic a lot of that going on. Um, well, the one that the one the most glaring one, um, and I've seen other people talk about this in comment sections on various sites. The most glaring one is that scene where he throws the hammer and Hella catches it and it blows up. In every trailer, you go back. That is in a dark alley in a city. All of a sudden, now we're in a field. And, and it's especially clear when like Odin, Thor, and Loki are standing there looking out at the ocean. It's the fakest looking bullshit you've ever seen. It looks, it's, it's worse than Jar Jar Binks. Like the plate, no, like the don't, shadowing, don't. The, the shadowing and I'm serious. The shadowing and the color on them is completely different than this like kind of hokey looking background. And every time they're in that field, I'm like, oh, this was clearly shot in one location they had like cut them out and like even the cutting out like of the of them it's like you can see some like kind of blurring on the edges i was just like how did that get through the editing process were they just was that like a last last i mean were they doing that literally two weeks ago and they just had to get it out because usually a lot of times they're working on these things up until like i think a week before because then they have to do their you know do their prints and stuff like was that the case and they just had to swap it in and and if so why did they move it you know and i'm wondering maybe that was originally meant to be you know, they showed that shot of the retirement home having been bulldozed down. Yeah. Maybe that was supposed to be at an actual retirement home. And then the alley behind it is where that fight scene was supposed to happen. Yeah. And they just, because it, it just looked really bad. And I actually well, love the look of it in the alley. Like that was such a cool looking shot. You know, it's dark and she's just there, you know? I did. The, yeah. I definitely noticed that that hammer shot was different from the trailer. And I couldn't figure out exactly why. And it looked so much more shocking in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that's just the trailer was cut really quickly and had the Zeppelin song under it and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, I, I definitely felt like watching it in the movie, like, ah, it doesn't even, is it not dramatic because I've already seen it? Or it, now, now that you're saying that about the setting, I do, I agree. I think you're right. That's what changed. I, I'll point out something else because the, the demolishing, that looked really bad. Mm-hmm. Like when they're on the street watching the thing uh, collapse and uh, Loki looks like he just joins uh, Depeche Mode. <laughs> um, that was, that was so weird. Like watching that, I don't know, the, the, the demolishing of the retirement home was really hokey looking, but yeah. now that you say that I'm wondering, did they change that whole setting and encounter with Odin just to fit in a Dr. Strange cameo? Yes. Because yes. he's the one that tells him he's in Norway. Yep. Yep. That has to be it. And I, I, I wish, and it's almost more interesting now to think about like, what if Odin were in the retirement home and all those yeah. conversations were in an American retirement home? That would be more poignant, I think. Yes, yes. Ugh. And then maybe and when they're standing Shit. looking out at the ocean, I would have imagined like, well, clearly that was that must have been them looking out the window at like New York or something, you know, like or or because a lot of what 
notice that the oh conversation he never says like this field or this is the place of our ancestor or you know of our, our you right. know, earth ancestor it's just like look at it's very ambiguous kind of dialogue so i'm one and a lot of it's actually you don't see them saying it so there's a lot of shots of them looking with their backs turned towards us and you're just hearing dialogues so i'm like was that just adr to be whatever this you know just more ambiguous i, I don't this kind of bumps I, me out because I think we're on to something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, and, I, and that Doctor Strange sequence, while a little amusing, was it was kind of just like a, a ripoff of that Dark World sequence where they're, you know, they're constantly, every time they touch the Aether, they're, they're being zapped around yeah, yeah. London. Like, and that was, we so we've kind of seen that. I'm just like, do we really need, like, and Doctor Strange does it. It's the same. It's literally the stinger at the end of Doctor Strange that we saw at the end of that movie last year where he's talking to Thor. It's that same thing, but with a lot of bouncing around and you just get the sense that, so that Stephen Strange shouldn't be that skilled just yet, but that's a minor technicality. Like it's just, it's weird. Like last time we saw him was, he was still learning the ropes and kind of, you know, getting a little bit better. So the fact that he's all like, you know, mysterious and confident now, I'm like, oh, I mean, okay, fine. But just, we didn't need it. Like him telling Thor, or Loki for that matter, like where Odin is. Like, I'm like, did we need this 10 minutes when we could have had the the, the fights, you know, the hella fight scene in an alley, which again, yeah, yeah looked, that's such looked a bummer. really freaking cool, you know? And, and that's a bummer too, because it makes me think, well, did Taika Waititi write, uh, you know, a really like funny but touching reunion between the mm. two the two sons and Odin, and then mm. Marvel came in and said, we really want a Doctor Strange cameo. I because, think so. So refresh my memory, we've seen the Doctor Strange refilling Thor's beer gag before. Was that in one of yep. the hidden um, scenes or, or, you know, post trailers scenes with Doctor Strange or was that yes. in a trailer to Thor? No, that was after, after the end of Doctor Strange, we saw that, um, that particular scene. And it, it, it wasn't like, I'm pretty sure. Cause you know, like in the, the Captain America one, um, the end of winter soldier, there was a stinger that then appeared in civil war where there, you know, he's got his hand in the vice that was actually reshot for civil war because some of the dialogue didn't quite match up, but it's the same scene. Um, in this case, I think it's literally what we saw at the end of Dr. Strange was literally the same scene that we saw here. I mean, it looked that everything oh, looked man. exactly the same, you know, this is one of those things I would just love to know the inside movie story on this. Like did, um, I, I'll tell you, yeah, because like, did did the Doctor Strange director actually direct that whole scene with Thor? Mm -hmm. You know, and then uh, and then the and Taika was the one who had the story and the direction of the old folks' home, and they had to put in that weird scene of of Thor and Loki staring at the home being destroyed, and then cut to the Doctor Strange. I don't know. I, that's I, I really wonder what was going on there because we've really hit on something that's a little out of place in this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, man, it's weird. Um, <laughs> I feel like I got to turn it around though, because I enjoyed so much of this movie and we have not mm -hmm. yet mentioned Tessa Thompson. Yes. As, let's uh, jump Valkyrie who she was fantastic. I loved every second of her appearance. Um, uh, yeah, just, I, yeah, I thought she was wonderful and, Apparently I'm just an, an ignorant idiot. I have not, I don't, I must've seen work that she's been in before mm -hmm. uh, because I was shocked afterwards to, to IMDb her and find out like she has this huge resume. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I mean, I just bought it. Like I was like, oh, she's English or Australian with the, you know, doing this English accent. I just didn't, I didn't realize this is an American actress who's uh, done a ton of work here. 
Well, I didn't recognize her from, she was in Creed and Creed was amazing, but I just didn't, I didn't make that connection. Cause I was like, I, you know, she's a little, she's a little more buff and you know, in this, and she's kind of a, she's much more of a sort of a weaker character in Creed. So just, I think maybe just that disconnect. I didn't realize the same, it was the same actress, but she's also in Westworld. Um, yeah. And in Veronica Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Of all things. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's, she's fantastic. I think she's definitely the, you know, the breakout star here. They give her, they give her a character a lot to do. That's just, you know, a lot of moments where she can just be funny. She can be strong. Um, you know, she can be her own. She's not, she's not a character who needs Thor to save her at any way, shape or form. In fact, it's usually the opposite. Um, you know, they don't, they never make her a damsel. They never make her like a, you know, like, like, you know, her, even her sort of where she ends up at the end is, is more by her own choice. It's not like, well, you know, Thor had to do this for her to live a happy life again. It's like, she's like, no, I'll just, you know, we'll see what happens. And, it just you know she's kind of finding her way which i think is great i think that's you know we've come a long way in terms of the the female characters in these these movies and i think it's it's just yet one more step for for marvel to get to captain marvel you know like yeah, no we kidding. can't get to captain marvel being her own fully formed character if we can't you know it's not we can't just go from charlotte uh johansson scarlett johansson in a black you know as black widow in like iron man 2 without these kind of uh, you know this connective tissue yeah um, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, and just, <laughs> just having a drunk Valkyrie that's yeah. been on this sort of trash planet, um, as a scavenger for the grandmaster was, I, that was like a great way to twist the, the mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, and her, I, as I love your suggestion that the, that the Loki, the flashback that Loki induces, like if that had actually opened the movie, that mm -hmm. would have been incredible. Like just do yeah. that run the title card and then start with Thor in the cage. That would have been yes. amazing. Yes. Um, yes. But I, but seeing that scene, I was just as excited to see that scene where it happened. Like it was, that was such a cool backstory to reveal, um, you know, her, her personal stakes against Hela and, and her sort of fall from, you know, confidence, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I just, I love that character. I loved having her as the sidekick for Thor better than, whoever those like four companions are that are usually with him. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I guess there was, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't really know the story, but I know that the actor who played Lady Sif was not coming back. And I don't know if that Jamie was just Alexander. like, well, she's in a, she's in a very popular NBC show right now and they just could not get her right, um, right. scheduling to work out. I, so I wonder if they would have had her and if she would have been one of the people, you know, killed by Hela, right? In a, when, in a when literally in a throwaway scene, they had to bring Zachary Levi back as the new, uh, you know, because he wasn't the, one of the, the original guy with the, you know, the kind of the Robin Hood looking guy. Um, that was not him originally. It was the dude from Once Upon a Time. And then like in Dark World, they cast Zachary <laughs> Levi as that guy. And so like when I saw them like in the uh, in the Heimdall chamber, you know, in the, yeah. in the, but the Bifrost chamber, um, I was like, oh, they're finally going to. And like literally two seconds into that scene, both of those guys are just gone. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I was, they, I was totally fine with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because they don't serve any purpose, like, but it's just it was kind of man, sad they, they didn't even get more. They didn't get they more to have do. Done that in the first Thor movie, and I would have been like, cool. <laughs> Let's get yeah. rid of these uninteresting sidekicks. The Warriors um, Three, who we never see really do much except for in Thor One. There's that. I guess there is that sequence in Thor One where they all go to fight, you know, fight the the Frost Giants, and you get to see see that. But yeah, it's interesting. They mention Lady Sif in the in the little play that they show that Loki has written that he's enjoying. Right, you know. Right. Right? They they mention her name, but it's ne there's never a moment of like, oh, she escaped the planet or where so like she can never come back, right? It's just like she's 
we will never know what happened to her. She can't make some kind of like surprise return in Infinity War. Like I just, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't even give her like a, uh, you know, like a well she you know she escaped before Hela could arrive or she's off on a special mission or something that will never, just n- nothing you know so. Uh. It's it's a whole weird uh, treat. Marvel's treatment of those characters is just weird. Anyway, I don't I don't care for them. I don't like the the gang of Asgardians that Thor has. So I was fine with that. What about uh, I mean, what about Idris as Heimdall? I mean, he's I love Idris Elba, but like I just don't. It feels like he was just sort of he did things because he had to. Like there was no scene <laughs> where you know, like he. We, we get the sense early on that he has left his post and that's why um carl urban has been put in place carl urban's um i forget what his character uh the character's name it's like um scourge scourge yeah scourge um yeah. you know, like we never find out like and so like when it's almost like they just relegated heimdall to uh you know like moving the plot forward and less like you know what happened to him like why did he wash out like there's just there were so many moments that could have been explored further that they just were like, yeah, whatever, man, yeah, whatever. Like the biggest one for me um, was was when, um, and then this kind of goes, we'll come back to Heimdall in a second, but like the biggest one for me was the moment where Bruce Banner comes back and he's like, I have been the Hulk for two years. Oh my God. And if I become the Hulk again, I mean, you may not see me again. And I was like, oh wow, this is going to be a really meaty thing. And then we never address it. He just becomes the Hulk again. Like it's nothing. And there's never like it's a- true. That, oh, he's going to become Hulk again. He might lose him. It's like, they just, we just gloss right over that, you know? And I just yeah. feel like there's so many things, Heimdall included, where they're just like, there could have been an amazing moment. Like why, like if we had delved further into why Heimdall is, you know, kind of running behind the scenes and how he has to sort of be the the leader for these people while Thor's gone or Odin's dead. Like we just never get it. There's just so many things could have been so much more meaningful um that would have all collectively led up to the fact that when, when you know when asgard is destroyed that you should have felt like you're sh- a tear should have rolled and it just we never it never builds up to that that's true i i, I mean i can't disagree with that the uh the hulk scene was uh it, it was so weird because he says it and then a second later he says it again in this like strained kind of don't you get it? If I, you know, I just told you, if I turn into the Hulk, I might never turn back. And I, I, the way he says it the second time, I thought, but you don't, you don't know that. I mean, yeah. I don't, you're Dr. Banner. You have seven PhDs. Like, shouldn't you test your blood out? Do some, <laughs> do some work on this. Like that's the whole Banner's whole thing forever through the whole mythology is like trying to figure out what's going on to him intellectually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah that was a uh, kind of ham-fisted um did you think- well, even a scene well even a scene like where he had like an internal monologue with the hulk where like you can see him like conversing with that like maybe he looks in the mirror i know this has been done before but maybe he like looks in the mirror and sees like the hulk's head staring back at him and like he has like this like almost schizophrenic conversation where and like the two of them you know there's a scene it would have been so much and they could have done it very quickly they didn't they didn't need like 20 minutes to do this but they could have had little moments where when then he has to jump out and save the the people he like looks at you maybe there's like a mirror some reflective surface in the quinj or the the ship that they're in and he like you know and the hulk goes you know like you know we'll work together to do this you know hulk and batter you know work something that evolves that along so when he jumps out you know we could still have the the funny like plop which was actually, I, I cringed when he just hit the Bifrost oh, man. bridge. And I was just like, oh, geez, is he dead? Like, what happened? Um, but just having something, 
something there could have been a really like like cathartic moment where like he and the hulk agree maybe maybe there's like this you know like they reach out and he they shake hands like virtually or something you know something um where they there's an agreement so we know okay when he turns in the hulk like banner will be able to come back but instead we just get like you know he's jumping out he's doing his thing i just there's so much more could have been put you know put into that moment um or his relationship with with Valkyrie, you know, because he and Valkyrie, there was like a friendship there. Um, yeah. yeah just some, some more little subtleties could have been built around that. So she would have, you know, we could have, you know, she could have been the audience avatar. Like, you know, when he turns back into the Hulk and she's like, she, that reveal, you know, that's revealed to her. And she could be like, oh, you know, and, and we, the audience feel that same elation. But also we know that he's, you know, he, Bruce will be back when he needs to be. I, yeah. So, Sorry, yeah, I'm just gonna. I, like, I don't want to ruin. I don't want to ruin this moment at the movie. If you enjoy the movie, great. Like there was a lot of enjoyable things about it. But I, at this juncture for me, my expectations are a lot higher because we've got to move to Infinity War, which I feel has to the the weight of Infinity War has to be felt throughout all these movies building up to it, and well, like I all the little I, moments, you know. Like I said, I think that's such a great like geek perspective because, um, I and I, I I'm not I don't want to mischaracterize you. I don't. I, I think you're looking at it from like a purely story mm -hmm. point of view. You're you, it's you're not correct me if I'm wrong. It, it, you're not like a person who is demanding like the biggest, largest battle ever to entertain oh, God, no. you. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm looking at it more like I'm already anticipating that the biggest, largest battle movie ever is going to annoy me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I would rather they just don't even do that team up and make like mm -hmm. ten more Ragnaroks or Ant Mans that have stakes that are really only personal to that superhero. Mm -hmm. It's sort of, I mean, maybe that's why, despite me saying that like the stakes are weird in this one, maybe that's why it kind of worked for me because yeah, Asgard only matters to the Asgardians. Like it's just, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't like, it's not, it's not a, 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 an earth ending thing. That's what always bothers me about the Avengers movies is Tony Stark causes a problem that is going to wipe out all of humanity. Mm -hmm. And then the Avengers solve it and then they pat themselves on the back um, when all they need to do is like lock Tony Stark up or, you know, send him into outer space or something. <laughs> um, so problem solved. Credits start rolling. Yeah, this was sort of like, uh, I don't know, but but I'll tell you again, I one thing that. Um, I, I don't know. Another thing about it is I didn't walk out of it thinking like it was a commentary on some real event. Whereas like Winter Soldier, Civil War to some extent is like ham-fisted as a lot of that plot is. Like they're trying to set it in a 21st century America surveillance state and have commentary on politics and you know and 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 surveillance and security. This is just like, hey, you're in a mythological world, you know? But but let's let's look at let's look at Winter Soldier. Cause like that for me is kind of the one of the high standards or the high bars that I can yeah, kind of yeah. compare. Else too. Winter Soldier worked so well because, and, and a lot of it, honestly, this, the plot of Winter Soldier is, at its core is very similar to Ragnarok. He's, he's um, ejected, you know, Captain America is ejected from the system that he, you know, was in support of that, you know, supported him. He had to team up with another Avenger to sort of figure out the, you know, how to, how to, you know, undo that and you know, expose that and actually restore everything to what it's supposed to be. So they go on this kind of adventure to, and at the, in the meantime, they're also trying to figure out, you know, what's Bucky's place and all this. And it kind of becomes a little bit of a team up, you know, movie because, you know, a Falcon joins in. So similar kind of, 
similar kind of DNA, you know, people will be like, well, that's not, I'm not talking about specific details, but the overall thematic kind of movements, very similar, but they spend a lot of time, like they, you know, when, when, um, Captain America and Black Widow go into that secret bunker and they learn about like, you know, um, you know, how the, how Hydra has endured and they go on and like that cat and mouse game with them. And then, um, uh, Robert Redford's Pierce character, just that that slow reveal and slow movement, like it it, it was moving towards something. So then, when the at the end, when all the um, uh, uh, what do you call them? The the ships. Um, oh my God. The the yeah yeah. <laughs> the airships. What the hell is the name? Oh God. People are gonna be like, oh my God, screaming at us right now. You know, uh, the the when the all the helicarriers rise up out of the out of the ocean, like that moment feels like holy shit because it's like you have felt the. You felt the stakes, and you feel like okay, if they don't if they don't solve this, the world's going to be a drastically different place. And so, it would just, even though that wasn't you know the world wasn't exploding, just those helicarriers rising was such a, a pivotal moment for me. I feel like the destruction of Ragnarok, like at the end when Thor's like, oh, I know what we got to do. It, it felt so effortless. Like, well, we've got the the helmets in there. Let's just that's how we'll beat Hela. And then she didn't even really put up a fight. You know, she kind of, you know, she tried to throw the, the stuff into the, the, what's his name? Surter or whatever the demon's name is. Um, yeah. Voiced by Clancy Brown, by the way, which is, I, I noticed that in the credits. I was like, Oh, Clancy Brown. Um, one of my favorite voice actors and actors uh, of all time. But he, um, she just kind of like, I thought maybe after Asgard exploded, she'd still be out in space trying to torment them in one last, just, it just, it felt so convenient. I was just like, everything kind of just, everything happened because it had to, not because there was any kind of struggle or, you know, or like just this, this, the plot just was so convenient feeling that by the time they, you know, rolled off in their ship, I was just like, I, I just don't, I don't care about this. Like when they, when they saw it, it explode, it was almost a played as a joke, you know, cause they're like, well, you know, they even had that scene where Heimdall's like, you know, and one day we shall come back and um, we shall live here or no, not Heimdall, the rock guy. He's like one yeah, day. Yeah they'll be able to come back and then it explodes. And it's like, well, I guess not. And, it, and I thought that's, th this is the, these people, they just saw their home and their world die. Like that shouldn't be so convenient. And it was so played for jokes. I don't know. And, and maybe for some people it's like, ah, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to see just a fun, fun, you know, like, and that's fine. If that's the audience and that's kind of the connection, that's great. But for me, I just felt like so many missed opportunities, so many missed opportunities to build that and just make that feel more, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, like everything about this is I, I uh, because I, I mean, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I will definitely no, that's totally fine. Um, I, um, I, I guess a lot of this, uh, I guess I'm, I'm just sort of defensive because it's easy to, to, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong about a lot of these plot mistakes and characterizations and stuff. Um, and I guess I'm defensive on behalf of Taika Waititi, like, oh, well, but that's not really his fault, you know? And I, yeah, I guess yeah, what yeah. I would offer up is these are, there are a lot of problems with Thor and Hulk and Loki just as characters that have been built up in the Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Loki has that same, he has the Tony Stark problem. Like Loki causes all these problems and then he is never really held accountable for them. Mm -hmm. um, and to some extent that just fits the mythology, the sort of, you know, mischievous God. Uh, but you're right. Like the, these were pretty big stakes for the Asgardians. Again, I didn't realize there were so many common people on Asgard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Ragnarok we is really just the death of the gods. It's not, we, the did, we did see them. Um, we did see them when, uh, uh, 
Thor's mother died in, um, I think they all came out, you know, when they're doing the, the, the funeral ceremony, which is a beautifully shot scene, um, yeah. you know, lighting the lanterns. I think you saw a bunch of like just regular folk, um, mm. around there. and even in the beginning, remember in the beginning Thor, when Thor's like coming in like, yeah, and he's like, there's like the big kind of celebration, which is, I think supposed to be his coronation. There's just a bunch of, you know, thousands of people had gathered. So I just assume that, you know, they were, but at the same time too, I didn't realize that they were just like great regular peasant folk. I thought maybe, oh, they'd all live in the city. Maybe they're all like somehow part of the, the apparatus that supports, you know, Odin, you know, they all sort of have a job or I, who knows. Um, but the one thing about let's, I'm, I'll run through a couple things that actually, that I really did enjoy. Like, I think anything, anything that involved Taika Waititi you know, directly as an idea or as an execution. So Korg, the rock character, um, who was voiced by him. I, it's funny. I thought he was voiced by Murray from flight of the Concords at first. Um, oh, that's what I was, thought too. It was Taika himself, which is, uh, once I that's kind totally of like listened to it a little bit, I was like, oh, that is, that is him. But that character was awesome. You know, it was just, it was right out of any of the, you know, any of flight of the Concords episodes or what, you know, what we do in the shadows. It's just, it was so him. Um, and then just like any, you know, the scene where he's, you know, like you said, the scene where he's in the chair, you know, going towards and like, you're about to meet the grandmaster. And just like that whole thing was fun. Um, everything I think with Jeff Goldblum. I, I love Jeff Goldblum so much more than um, Benicio del Toro as the collector, you know, like Jeff yeah, Goldblum, yeah. that was almost the kid. Like I was actually afraid, like, ah, he's really just going to be doing the same thing that the collector does. Mm -hmm. But Goldblum did everything where I, I thought, no, that's, that's what the collector should have been. Yeah, he should have yeah. been this goofy. I mean, I mean, he acts like, you know, he's so rich and he runs this planet and he gives these big holographic decrees for people to go, go capture them and stuff like that. But it's just this trashy planet. Yeah. Like it's not, he's not living in like, I mean, he's in luxury, but it's not like uh, some wealthy world where they're, they're these, you know, I don't know, really well off people or something. He's just lording over it? a bunch of scavengers. You think about it. He's, and he said it, he's been there for like a million, you know, millions of years yeah. and a million years. So it's like the it makes perfect sense why he just gets to just gold bloom around. Like at that point, yeah. if somebody has been there that long, they're going to be a little bit, little bit crazy. You know, they're not going to be all, all quite there. I, my biggest complaint about that is that I wish I didn't know it was going to be, I wish they had never mentioned Jeff Goldblum was in this movie. That's one shot awesome. where he appears that like close up on his face. If you yes. didn't know it was going to be Goldblum, you would have shit your pants laughing. Oh my God. And, and that's, again, it's, it kind of goes back to where I was like, Oh, that's because they build it up. They're like, you're about to meet the grandmaster. And then like, if they just showed it and it's him and he's doing his thing, it's like, I, I would have, I just would have died. And the yeah. fact, so it's like, they gave too much studios need to be a lot more cautious. I understand they're like, we need to sell this off of Jeff Goldblum. That'll be like a lot of people talked about it, but because it was so familiar, it was more just like, again, just checking things off a list instead of like me being truly able to sit back and just in, you really enjoy like, Oh my God. Like I just to be surprised and delighted, you know, like yeah. they could have, they could have cut a trailer that hinted at the grandmaster. Like you, maybe you heard the, a, a voice that you couldn't quite pin down or something, but like, just if they could have kept that secret somehow, um, you know, cause they kept Tessa Thompson's character, like what, she, you know, her characterization oh, yeah. pretty secret. Like you oh, saw her yeah. in the trailers and you just, she's this badass woman, but you didn't realize she was going to be like, you know, kind of like totally. a slobbering drunk, you know? Yeah. Just when like, she shows up, yeah. That first scene where she shows up, exactly. That is such a perfect example because, um, yeah, exactly. I just thought from given the trailers that she was going to be just sort of like, a, you know, any nameless hero where she's, you know, flying around and saving the day. And then to to be introduced to her in the way that we were was really perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 then to see how that fit within her character of being 
uh, you know, just depressed by this, by this defeat uh, at the hands of Hela. Like that's, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. yeah. Would I, I, I feel like we should probably wrap up right around an hour right now. Oh yeah. yeah. Would you, um, despite your misgivings, would you say like, how do you rate this? What, you know, would, <sighs> should I rate it against other Marvel movies or on its own merits? Oh, uh, rated against other Marvel movies. Like, where do you put it in there? Oh, man. <laughs> I would, I would I, it say... Should be, it should be noted that I am a huge fan of Ant-Man, and you are not, right? No, no, have you no, even no, no. seen it? I actually, no, no, I finally did see Ant-Man. I actually really liked Ant-Man. Oh, okay. I think, I think, again, it was a little paint, little too paint by numbers, but I, um, Evangeline Lilly... I usually I'm not a fan of her, but she was charming as hell in that movie. Like I really want to see, I'm going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp in the theater completely off of her, her being a main yeah. character. In it. She's, she's great. I always, I, yeah. I continuously don't give her enough credit. So that, but yeah, I, I ended up really liking that. I would say this, this to me, again, while there were some really nice moments, I, I'm going to probably rank it probably in the if, if i if you kind of chunk marvel movies in like one of three buckets with like the first bucket being like holy crap that just that was surprising and wonderful and and again winter soldier the first avengers movie um the first iron man movie like th that's probably one bucket then there's probably like that middling bucket of like yeah these are these are perfectly fine i you know I'll watch them when they're on um you know not as great as those other ones so like i would say I would say Thor the Dark World's probably in there. Like, I actually liked that more. That one I liked more than most people. Iron Man 2 I liked more than most people. And then there's kind of like just all the other ones. And I'd probably put this in the the all the other ones hmm. bucket. Like, where there's, it's not terrible. It's not like, oh, it's not like Suicide Squad bad, where it's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, why? Right, right. Why? It's not that. But at the same time, I feel like it, it, it really missed the mark for me for what it could have been. It could have been like one of the most amazing, epic, like just like a rocket ride of, or a roller coaster ride of emotions. Um, and it just, it just didn't take advantage of that for me. So I'll probably, and I, I would say also in that bucket or like Dr. Strange, which was pretty to look at, but just, it just was. Yeah. Um, what's another, oh, what's another one well, like that? The Dr. Strange thing is a great one because I, I just recently rewatched that and that was one where I sort of told myself I loved it in the theater. And then when I rewatched it, I went, ah, you know, I'm glad I didn't buy this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this one, I actually, I think Ragnarok is better than Dr. Strange, but I do know that like when I came out of, um, and, and it's not as bad as suicide squad. It's not as totally senseless as Batman versus Superman, <laughs> bat soup. Um, it's, uh, I know when I came out of Wonder Woman, though, I was like, I can't wait to see that again. Yeah. And yeah. when I, and having said that, I often do that with superhero movies in a, in a really mistaken way. Like when I came out of Ultron, I was like, liked it better than the first Avengers. <laughs> and really? Then I, I've actually never seen it again, but I've seen that first yeah. Avengers 12 times. I would um, put, I would put Ultron in this third bucket and I would put, um, I was just thinking about it. Shoot. I was thinking I'm trying to think of it as like, almost like uh, uh it's now it's hard to say because we've had two guardians movies mm -hmm. but almost like this is the movie we needed for thor mm -hmm. to separate him from the avengers and make yeah. him uh useful as like this enormously powerful you know otherworldly being like this was kind of, this is kind of his guardians which is what we we kind of knew it would be mm -hmm. but when i walked out as much as i enjoyed the experience of watching it I didn't have that feeling like that's an instant classic that is, you know, really going to 
like sit with me for a while. So like I said, I'm definitely gonna go see it in 2D mm -hmm. um, and probably in that Dolby Atmos theater or whatever. So I, I'll see how I feel like in a few months, I may just, this may be, maybe it'll be like one of my favorites or maybe it'll be a Doctor Strange where, you know. Yeah. Um, I didn't, Guardians, I'm just trying to say I didn't have that like Wonder Woman feeling of like I'm going well, to see this again right right away. And you, you really know? you really liked Guardians too, and I would put Guardians two in that same bucket as well. Where I'm like I'm glad I saw it, but it just it was it just yeah, that, it didn't see, that's further the format for me. You know, it didn't further the the stakes of it. I mean, yeah, it <clears throat> had some great that. moments. I get that. I I think I just I appreciated the characterizations and the. Uh, you know the I think I said at the time like I just like the the team in guardians of the galaxy um and maybe that's what i really liked about ragnarok was mm -hmm. i just liked having this especially that they called it the team you know, the revengers the revengers yeah, yeah, yeah. um I, I i will say this i'll say this i think i'm i'm convinced that again if you take kind of my three buckets um this would have been a solid solid middle bucket where I'm like, yeah, I really like that. Like, it wasn't like as revolutionary as one of those first bucket ones, but it was. It would have been much more solid for me had I not been spoiled by all those things in the trailer that were either confusing or gave me a different expectation. Or again, like on the big side, and like just revealing Jeff Goldblum was in it, but also like no. the music, like just if if all of that was, if I had very little, if I knew very little, if this was like a Kingsman situation, where like the trailer just kind of was and didn't really give you a really deep sense of what that movie was supposed to be, which was perfect. Cause I went to Kingsman as I've talked about numerous times going, Holy crap, this is not at all what I expected. It's 10 times better than what I even hoped for. I think this would have probably had a similar effect where I'm like, Oh my God, like just the, the sheer imagination yeah. unspoiled would have been a little bit more potent for me. They really had to walk a tightrope, I think with that trailer. Cause they really had yeah. to announce to people, we know you didn't see the last Thor movie. <laughs> yeah. This one's going to be different, but, uh, you're right. Like maybe they, they erred on the side of revealing too many of the secrets that for people who are going to see it anyway, like you and me, yeah. maybe it would have been better to surprise us with a lot of that stuff. I'll, so, I'll tell you, I'll make another bold comparison. So this, that kick, kick ass uh, Ragnarok trailer came out the same time as the stranger things two trailer, which was probably the greatest trailer of all, all goddamn time. <laughs> that was something, but that stranger having just finished, uh, finished uh, season two, that of stranger course. things, two trailer i'm not no, no no spoilers but just that trailer was amazing but the series delivered so much more than that trailer right, could have right. ever given me and like it went in directions that i'm like oh shoot this was this was barely even hinted at in the trailer so it's like it is possible to have like an, a, a kick-ass you know it, get excited trailer teaser and then have the the story be its own thing and i just feel like the the trailers betrayed this movie way more than they should have um it just kind of gave me like i i again i just i felt like so much so much of that movie for me was just like okay there's that scene there's that just checking things off instead of being truly like oh wow oh my god you know yeah i um well i yeah like i said i would tell everybody to go see this i enjoyed it uh you know i i, I love the goofy marvel movies i guess um yeah yeah yeah. So I think uh, with that said, Taylor, unless we've left anything out, where can people find this podcast? They can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever you enjoy podcasts. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and SoundCloud. We are Find Us There. And of course, on uh, our website is findusthere.org. And you can get all our other shows and other episodes of this uh, show there too. 
That sounds great. Uh, maybe next week we can do Stranger Things uh, season two because I am. We could, yeah. About yeah. a third of the way into it, so. Oh, ooh, ooh. yeah. Uh, ooh. So tune in next week for Coffee and Comics, uh, and we will see you then. Later, see Taylor. Bye bye.